Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds. It's me, Gareth, and welcome back to, uh, I'll be honest, what might be the final instalment of the Geeks Journal's podcast. As you'll all be aware by now, this time around, we are breaking down the 1993 movie quote-unquote adaptation of Super Mario Brothers. And for those of you not aware of this out there, the Super Mario Brothers are video game characters from 1985 that was released on the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. Essentially, Princess Toadstool is kidnapped by the evil King Cooper, or Bowser, and the two Italian plumbers are tasked with rescuing the princess and saving the Mushroom Kingdom. The movie is a... similar? But different beast entirely. And by similar, I mean very far from the source material, about as far as it can get. Uh, bearing the lead here, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm broken. I, I have regrets. <laughs> and I, I find myself fueled with an inextinguishable rage. And I look forward to sharing these emotions with you for the duration of this episode. But the derision for this movie isn't just mine to share. I am fortunate and grateful to be accompanied by the rest of the collective. Firstly, I would like to welcome back Damien. Hey, glad to be back. And I'm also joined by Lee from the Average Gamers podcast and our resident Steen Sealer, Ollie. Gentlemen, hey. hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Well, seven oh. bacon himself. Oh, God. Oh. I'm just as awake this week as well, so let's <laughs> bring it on. Oh. Gentlemen, firstly, I have to share with you... Um, I do not regret my choice for this episode. I think it's quite safe to say that I don't think any of us are okay right now. Um, an honest and sweeping declaration. I'm surprised that we're actually only one man down today. I thought we were going to have a lot more cancellations <laughs> when it came to talking about this movie. Before we go into it, I want to get your, your initial takes on this. But listeners, to give you an indication of the, the, the madness that is this movie. So this was directed by... Um, two British directors, partners Annabelle Jankel and Rocky Morton. And just to give a little snippet, according to John Leguizamo, who played Luigi in the movie, in his autobiography, he tells a story of how Rocky Morton once poured hot coffee on an extra's head because he didn't like the extra's costume he was wearing on the set of the movie. Now, what got me is that like extras like with a budget of this size are not bringing their costumes from home. These would have been bought mm -hmm. and provided to the to the cast themselves it was written by uh, a, a trio of people by the time it went to production there was more that came in and left but uh, terry runt parker bennett and 
probably the only person that actually came out of this movie unscathed. Like, people after this rarely worked again, other than some of the talent that stars in it. Uh, a man called Ed Solomon, who is known for writing for the Bill & Ted trilogy, Men in Black, uh, the first screenplay, uh, the two movies of uh, Now You See Me, and the first Charlie's Angels movie from 2000. Hmm. So there's wow. there's a lot... When you put in the, the cast list the caliber of that and some of the credits of the people that are involved in this production wise on paper you can see why they signed on to do it apart from bob hoskins who actually famously had no idea that mario was a video game until like way into filming <laughs> and that was by his son not anything that happened on set <laughs> ollie i want to come to you first because i think you are the only one out of all of us here who owns this movie oh man who hurt you <laughs> whoa and I... listeners just to twist the knife a little more this isn't a vhs that he's watching like ironically correct me if i'm wrong Ali, <laughs> don't you own the dvd of this so you've bought this within the last 20 years yes i own this on <laughs> what were you thinking dvd now why to be fair, let, let, let's start. No, there's no to be fair. Yeah, there's, no, there's no coming back from this, man. You're off the <laughs> team. <laughs> right. Go on in, then, plead your case. Go on. In 1993, I was a paid-up member of the Nintendo Club. I had the pin badge, the rucksack. I had the magazines. So when this film came out, I was... Yeah, it doesn't play games. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So when this film came to the came to town, I was there. I wanted to watch it. I was so excited. You know, even on the the magazine covers, they were advertising the film, and I didn't really twig at the time that there was no, pretty much no correlation. <laughs> I, I know there's no, there's, there's no explanation. You've so, talked yourself out of it now, haven't you? <laughs> but at the time. Ollie's reflecting his childhood and just go, why? It was a disaster, <laughs> actually. Now I come to think about it. Mistakes were made. Yeah. <laughs> but no, at the time, I genuinely enjoyed the film. I really enjoyed it. To the extent that I probably saw it two or three times. Because oh, it came Christ. out. Because it came out, like, when was it? Early in the year. So perhaps it came to devices for, like, the cinema club. And I got to I got to see it a number of times, and it's only in hindsight. Yes, <laughs> it was a lonely childhood, that, <laughs> as I recall. That I now see that it is an absolute like dazzling failure of a film. <laughs> so, gentlemen, <laughs> listeners, I'm sure you will congratulate Ollie as much as I will in that explanation. <laughs> However. He's focusing on something that happened in 1993. My question, which so, he yet has not answered, yeah, sure. why do you have the DVD? Because I hadn't seen it for quite some time, and I must have seen it in HMV or like MVC or something. And I was like, well, I'm going to get that, and I'm going to I'm going to watch that. And lo and behold, <laughs> I did not watch it until last week. Has it been sitting on your shelf all this time? So it's not even made it to a shelf. It's been in a box in the attic. And it's, and it's, and it's moved house about three times. And it's still not been watched. So. That's been incredible. A, there's been a good, like, 20, 28 years since I probably last watched it. Wow. You're welcome. 
So <laughs> there you go. Damien, I want to come to you next. Now, you kind of preempted this. You kind of realised how much of a sadistic twat I was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and... And, and, and you watched this before I announced it. Like you took a really big gamble. Like, like you almost, <laughs> you almost took the only bullet in the chamber. I had a feeling. Then clicked on. I'm, it's, it's the first. Oh, oh shit! It's this, isn't it? I thought, oh, get it out of the way. Get it done and out of the way. <laughs> uh, that, it, honestly, I will. God, oh god! I if it wasn't the 4K telly, I'd have kicked the crap out of the TV. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think this is actually the second time I've seen this in its entire. I've, the first time I saw it was a weekend round at yours, I think terrestrial premiere, I think, or something. But I think that might have been one of the few times that I actually watched it when I was a kid because I yeah. didn't see it in the cinema. No, uh, might have rented it from the video den. It may have been a rental, or yeah, I know I saw it one of those weekend, many weekends mm. spent around at yours. But yeah, God, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's why I reckon. Yeah, nearly put me back in the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lee, last but by no means least. This is actually a film that, by some miracle, you have actually seen. Yes, yeah, one of the rare <laughs> ones. I've actually I saw I saw this at the cinema as well when I was a kid. I can uh, pretty vividly remember the crushing disappointment as I left the cinema <laughs> after uh, you know subjecting my eyes to this steaming turd for you know an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? I watched it again. I, I forced myself to watch it yesterday. And that's the first time I've seen it in, what, 28 years? <laughs> Everyone's just staring blankly at me as if say, you absolute prick. Yeah, thanks for this, Gareth. <laughs> Normally we thank we thank whoever made the choice for, you know, picking a cinematic masterpiece and opening uh-huh. our eyes and broadening well, horizons. Well, this oh. was actually part of the reason, you know, I said this, I said this in the, in the tease that I put out on social media. I thought we had been too spoilt with great movies and so I needed to find a genuine dumpster fire to keep us in check. We need to be grateful for what we have by knowing how we've suffered previously. And I think that film genuinely does that. And on that note, listeners, I think let's get into it. I'll be honest, the first thing that actually struck me uh, was actually nothing to do with the story is the fact that like when I clicked onto Amazon Prime and I pressed play, I had a sinking feeling and just went an hour and 44 minutes <laughs> of literally nothing. I mean, it's like for, for for a film that came out in 1993 as well, like the timing is it, it it's quite long by comparisons. Yeah, and recently, um, not long after you picked this, there's a fan site. They all need help. They're on the internet. There's actually a fan site for this film. They have unearthed <laughs> all the deleted scenes they got off eBay off of off a VHS, and they've reintegrated it in, and it's online. There's an extra half an hour. Oh wow, oh, God! No, just <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm sort of intrigued. Like, what did they? What it what... adds? It apparently, adds a rap back in that was cut out. That between... yes, I yeah. I heard about this. The cousins, yeah. the cousins, Iggy yeah. and Spike do a yeah. do a rap but... at some point at the bar at the nightclub. God, yeah. So it was taken out for, a... but yeah, these yeah. these people they bought and they've put it back and it's. There to stream online, it just it takes over two hours. It's like, no. Oh, God, God. no. So no. is the rap scene a little bit like uh, Go Ninja from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Because I... I'd watch those back to back, day in, day out, if that was the case. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. I have no desire. You have to get hold of that rap scene. It might save it. I mean, that film, this film, this film is just downright bonkers. 
I was incredibly amused at the fact that, like, at the beginning, you see, like, the production titles and things like that. And the thing that that got me was I was watching this and just going, this theme tune is probably the most accurate thing that's going to be in the entire film. Yeah, and, you know, I think we can, we should probably, like, caveat it now, isn't it? Like, to call this film the Mario Brothers movies a real stretch, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you get? At best, you get a couple of, like, veiled references to things in the Mario universe. It, it, to me, right, I don't know, as an overall thing, it was like, this is like a fan-made homage, and they're trying to avoid any copyright strikes by, like, sort of, <laughs> just kind of, like, nudge-nudge-wink-wink <laughs> references, nothing overt. You know, I mean, St- Street Fighter was closer to its source material than this. <laughs> That's saying something. <laughs> the whole thing of this film is almost like... It's a student film that's trying to be very experimental without getting in trouble with big corporations. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one better. It's like it's like somebody filmed their kids' school play. <laughs> 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 they had the balls to put super at the front of it. <laughs> I mean, what it seems like is that someone like took like the premise of Super Mario and then yes, decided to make like an, an art house film out of it to make it an adult film that perhaps actually like the players and gamers of the day (laughs) and gamers of like the time would want to watch because the when did the game come out like 80 84 the the first super mario brothers came out in 1985 so perhaps they were perhaps they were presuming that you know now 10 years down the line that the the gamers at the time would now be a little bit older and want something a little bit more i i'm I'm going to say it, sophisticated. And <laughs> it's completely the wrong wrong word. But Ollie know, is seriously trying to justify owning this DVD yeah, right, right now, isn't he? <laughs> but you, you, you can understand. You, can, you get where I'm getting at. You're listening to the Mario Apologist podcast. <laughs> Either that or Ollie's having a breakdown. <laughs> but that's what it feels like. It feels like someone tried to make a grown-up adult version of the super mario brothers cartoon and this is what we got you know what it feels like to me it feels like somebody like tried to write like their own little rpg and they were like oh let's let's put in some like you know subtle nods to something and see if anyone gets it oh look there's king cooper you know who's taken over the city it's like a cyberpunk-esque kind of setting but it's just they've just ripped off mario well, it is it's almost set in that kind of like blade runner-esque yeah world isn't it you know where it's all because it is it's all dystopian it's dark it's grotty and it's dusty and horrible and it, we're set in this alternate universe of what do we call what's it called dino hatton of shit uh, dino hatton <laughs> or dinotopia well this is something that I, I i talked about in the tease like influences behind this movie was die hard and Blade Runner and Mad Max, <laughs> and you can. Oh, you can see that. You can so see, see that. Care. You can see that in the concept, but only like as far as, like only as far as like designs of the cars and stuff go, and that dystopian world. I tell you what influenced this: John Claude Van Damme's big bag of cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> it's back. It's back, baby. It's come love, back. It's a callback. Love back. a good callback. <laughs> yeah. yeah although, although you have to ask this, lest lest we forget, this film was 1993. So is this where the bag 
originated from <laughs> for Jean-Claude Van Damme in 1994. I think we have the explanation. I think it's the mushrooms. I think it was that's what did it in this one. <laughs> Trust the fungus. Oh, oh was that John Luigiamo's, um the title of his autobiography? Trust <laughs> the fungus, yeah. I meant to ask earlier. <laughs> So like it's like there's there's so much about this film that you can't even physically understand why they've made the decisions that they made. So obviously like at the beginning you see this whole dinosaur history lesson voiced by Dan Castellaneta incidentally. Homer Simpson voiced that narration, not that he would ever admit to it now. Hmm. The the thing that got me is that it's the the graphics that they used were quite advanced when all that had been released at this point was the NES and the graphics wouldn't have been that clean for the NES not quite there um so Mario World which is where a lot more of the influence on this film comes from was about 91 92 because there's no there's no dinosaur stuff in the NES versions the dino stuff comes in and Yoshi or Yoshi and all that come in for the 91 92 release on the SNES would you not class Cooper as a as a dinosaur of some variety though? He's a turtle, isn't he? Oh, he's a turtle. Oh no, he's, he's a turtle. He's a shell, shell yeah. doesn't he? A spiked yeah. shell. Yeah, he's like a dragon turtle thing. Mm. So that's another thing they fucked with in the film. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, we, we this this is going to be a long episode, isn't it? Really? Let's, Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm turning the key. I'm playing the theme tune. This is it because the entire movie is one corner of incredulity. <laughs> and now we welcome you to another edition of Lee's Incredulous Corner. The whole lead-up to this makes no sense whatsoever. This cold open is just absolutely insane. Uh, saying about dinosaurs and, and the idea that like the, the meteor that crashed to Earth split into parallel universes, and one of those is, what if dinosaurs survived? What if they found a way back? And then the logo of Super Mario Brothers hit. No references to anything else. So if you had... Walked in. You wouldn't have known what was going on. It's literally <laughs> just like, what if dinosaurs rule the earth? Super Mario Brothers. You would have thought yeah. it was like a mashup between We're Back and Super Mario Brothers, wouldn't you? At that point. Am I the only one who's seen We're Back? The only one who's heard of it, I think, mate. Oh, like... what? Do you have that one on DVD as well? I... <laughs> VHS. Oh, <laughs> So, okay, this this... This whole thing as well with like who we later find out is is Daisy, who I can't remember many times that she's called Daisy. Like in the earlier film, she's Princess Toadstool, isn't she? In the first one, she's Princess Toadstool. So Daisy and Princess Peach, or Princess Toadstool she was then, are two separate characters. Daisy was introduced in Super Mario Land, I believe, which was on the Game Boy in like 89 or something. And... Yeah, for some reason they went with Daisy in this rather than Princess Peach or Princess Toadstool. I guess because the name is a bit more accessible and a bit less yes, weird. Why you don't, she... you, yes, yeah, you don't really want Samantha Massis, like early 90s heartthrob that she was, introducing herself as Toadstool. It doesn't have quite the same <laughs> ring to it because she doesn't know who she is. Because as we find out, her mother, also played by Samantha Mathis, by the way, I is thought it? that was. Yeah. yeah. That's I've where. Never like, noticed. They ah. have the whole line where it just says, oh, oh you, like, like, like you have your mother's eyes or something like that. It's because it's literally yeah. Samantha Mathis You have your mother's playing. everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you look so much like her. Funny, that. <laughs> but, like, with this, with this Kal-El, like, Krypton ripoff, mm -hmm. 
Like this, this like space age egg just being left on a nunnery doorstep. Oh yeah. Just to say, there is nowhere on there that it says her name is Daisy, and yet everyone knows her as Daisy. Surely that's what the nuns call. Yeah, her. the nuns would have named her that. But don't um, doesn't Cooper call her Princess Daisy as well? Uh, mm. ah. But surely but, they've learned her but, name because they're shouting after her, aren't they? When she gets kidnapped, the, they're shouting after her. That like like that like they are. No, it's a plot flaw. Of course it is. We can't explain <laughs> it. It's... Are you surprised? I mean, I, I mean, really, like like we find out that it's the first of many holes. We're jumping, yeah, <laughs> Your Honor. <clears throat> <laughs> like we find out that obviously, like Cooper has these, like has his cousins looking for Daisy, but you can tell they've done this for quite a while because they keep saying, like, like they've got this wrong like four times. So mm. they know who they're looking for and they know the name because they're clearly trying to shadow her. They're just doing it very badly. But what surprised me was like how accepting this Catholic nunnery was of this egg that literally hatched a baby in front of them. They saw it as an act of God, which to me surely they would just be going, Demon! And mm. that's, <laughs> that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> that see, to me, that would have been the better point to have the logo pop up. Nice little intriguing preview of like, why is this baby just hatched from an egg? Super Mario Brothers. Like there would have at least been something because at that point you at least have a mention of Cooper. You have an idea that something is going on and not just like, what if dinosaurs came back? Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> and it jumps ahead like what, 20 years? Something like that, isn't it? At, at, at which point, and so we are, we get our first glimpse at the Mario... <laughs> Again, another plot hole. They're not brothers. I was so angry. I was so livid. There they are. They're not. They are not brothers. This is the whole thing. Like, and Luigi even says this when they go out to do. Oh, I'll get to later. But like, Luigi refers to Mario. It's like he's no, he's not my brother. No, he's my no, he's my he's my he's my parent, my mother, my father, my uncle, my brother, something like. Because he is the legal guardian. They are not brothers, and you don't get an indication as to who adopted him and when and you get the impression that it was mario that adopted him oh i got the imp i just thought he was like he you know he like del boy and rodney it's like you know oh he raised me like he, he's my brother but he raised me like he was my father uh it was ah uh, it was crazy like i did i, I did wonder that because you've got like, like mario keeps complaining to luigi that they're broke because these other like big scale plumbers are taking the business of scapellis and I just had this moment of thought, just kind of like, you're completely broke, but you managed to buy another television because there's a TV on top of the TV. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I think we should get 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 into the relationship between Mario and Luigi because actually, I know it is a bad film. It is, yeah, dazzlingly like bad, but actually, the relationship <laughs> that these two have is actually really, really good. And is like a yeah. saving along with there are a couple of other things, but this is a real saving grace because they are in it pretty much from the get go. And like their camaraderie is so compelling. They work so well together, especially as it's Bob Hoskins, who's like a, a British character actor. And then you've got Maguziamo, who is is he Costa Rican actor? So he's probably never worked with with Hoskins or possibly in like another british character actor before and they just have it just seems like they have a rip roar in time like the way they deliver lines like they're just so well executed like the banter between them the almost like the in jokes i 
it's the chemistry is brilliant and it and it makes it, it chemistry makes... yes what they're saying no but the but, <laughs> that's, the, but the... that's the script though isn't it that's not yes. the way they're delivered the script is something else and i think that's the the problem when you have this film what i was saying earlier when you have like there's some really high caliber performers in this and i need to state this like like on the put this on the table right now i will not badmouth anyone in this cast apart from what they say and how they do it and things like that but that the point is is that these are very talented people and i will not take that away from anyone i have a lot of respect for these performers and have enjoyed them for for decades and they just fell short because of what they were provided. That's what I said before. You can only be as good as the writing that you're given, the direction that you receive. You can give an Oscar-worthy performance, but if everything around you is falling to shit, you can't save that. And, you know, you've got people like Bob Hoskins, absolute legend. Dennis Hopper, who, again, still great, but it feels like he's doing Blue Velvet in this. It feels like he's bringing Frank Booth into this. It's funny you say that about Dennis Hopper. I distinctly remember when I was a kid uh, seeing a review on, like, movies. Is it movies, movies, movies? Or it's movies, movies, movies. movies. Or I changed to on mo- a Saturday. Changed yeah. to movies, games, and videos. And I'm pretty sure they said, I'm pretty sure the reviewer said, oh, Dennis Hopper acts like he's in a different movie in this film. And it's like, yeah, yeah there you go. It is. He's yeah, he's 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 revisiting Frank Booth Blue Velvet. <laughs> not a bad thing, but not really what you would expect from a kids film because that role is bananas. And then you've got Samantha Mathis who like gives a great portrayal in in Jack and Sarah with Richard E. Grant. I completely forgot that Fiona Shaw was in <laughs> this movie. Like yeah. like ki- like Killing Eve, Harry Potter, Fiona Shaw, great British talent. Irish, isn't she? Not doing well in this film. <laughs> and let's not forget Three Men and a Little Lady, just to bring it back to our last podcast. <laughs> I will not bring it back to Three Men and a Little Lady, and I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the cast, though, I would actually say that Hopper is probably the weak link in this. I agree. He, he really does, like... He does have this like rather like goofy like demeanor about him. He's just hamming it up though, isn't he? Yeah, but not in the same way as let's say uh, Dracula in Van Helsing. That was ham, and it's not and it's not menacing enough, is it? It's not like Frank Langella in Masters of the Universe. Like I I thought like Hopper really could have done like much more. He could have really given much more to like distinguish himself as like this. He's no bison, but he doesn't do enough to make himself as like this villain that you're scared of or should be scared of. I think that's also because you need someone that can play that PG-13 level. And at this point, I really don't think Dennis Hopper, in spite of the like, in spite of the years and work that he has done, I don't think Dennis Hopper has a family movie level performance in him. He is an incredible actor. But I don't think he has the range to be menacing and be in a family film. He only took this because his son, who was six, he needs shoes. Dennis Hop, Dennis Hop is like Ed Harris. I would not piss. I, I'd be terrified to be in a room with either of them. Is they're so intense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the whole thing with the shoes—that is true. But I also know the other end of that story. Dennis Hopper tells a story once a bit like about this, and as Damien said because because it was a it was a it was a job that paid fair enough and dennis hopper once told a story that he said to his son who was later 18 he said dad you're probably a good actor but but you know why did you like 
like that terrible guy, you know, King Cooper in Super Mario Brothers, and he explains that it was to buy him shoes. And apparently the 18-year-old son turned around to him and said, I don't need shoes that badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the film... I, yeah, I, I I I spend so long just trying to work this out. I, I get what you're saying about the about the relationship, Ollie, and I think it's quite interesting because there are two very. It's probably like the only insightful thing that I'm probably going to say about this film. You have these two characters who have very different trains of thought, but both equally relevant. You have Mario with the practicality of always look after your tools. You need to do this and do that and be practical in your life but luigi is the younger thinking outside of the box element you know he, he's got a good feeling about going this way and let's do this and believe in this they're both right like they both have merit in what they're trying to do but it's it, it's just two different ways of working i think that's also a generational aspect i suppose what it comes down to is that they both have like good hearts and they're good people it's probably what they are they're just they're just genuine they're they're looking out for each other they're looking out for the little man as it were as well and they're trying to get over on at the start is it scapelli and then king cooper subsequently so they're trying to get over on the man and just do right by themselves far cry from the mass murdering high-pitched squat um squeaky italian plumber that is in the games then because he's that is that is not a good man he takes stomps on everything like it's oh my god and he's he's not human you you sort of find out a bit later kind of just by virtue when you one of the later games you go to a place called new donk city which is populated by humans and mario is half their height I did find it quite interesting that where we are in the 90s, we actually saw Fisher Stevens appearing as one of the one of the cousins in a actually racially appropriate character for him for the time. <laughs> That's another good comedy duo, though, in this, isn't it? Like Iggy and Spike. I, mm. They are stupid as hell, absolutely <laughs> pointless. But as, as a set of characters, I, you know, I think they're br- I do think they're brilliant. I think they're very funny. They're entertaining and they come out with some great one liners. And and when they have their like evolution, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, moment as well. I, I I love that banter between them as well, where they're trying to play intellectuals. I think that's hilarious as well. well I love the fact that like they're supposed to be evolved into intellectuals by Cooper, but they also can't steer for shit anymore. Like they're still <laughs> it's, it's they're really them. clumsy, can't manage anything, and plus still stupid. They just have a, a wider vocabulary. That's all that changes, if you notice. The idea that like like when you see the cousins spying on daisy so the idea is is that they're trying to find her they know where she is but she keeps eluding them how no idea because she doesn't know who she is but they keep screwing this up i did chuckle about the fact that they like one of the lines when they're talking in the car they said are you sure that's her you go two arms two legs one head and it just maybe one head what the fuck have you been bringing back (laughs) If that's part of your checklist, like it's just absolutely insane. And the whole thing, I wasn't quite sure why she was dressed for like some desert dig in the Sahara excavating God knows what, when they're actually just in a dump site in in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wanted to be in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. exactly what it is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure we've been to that 
where that dig site is, Ollie. I'm pretty sure we've yeah, been we have. there. There's, there's an ice cream place right next yeah. to it. I think that's now the site of a uh, merry-go-round, ah. possibly. But yeah, they've just gone for a stereotype, haven't they? You know, put her in a pair of like Timberland boots, some car keys, some oversized men's clothing to like, she doesn't give a damn. A, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit like the character um, from Tremors, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. She has that exact stereotype where they've tried to make her not look conventionally attractive. We need to make this attractive woman look as unattractive as possible. Let's (laughs) throw all this baggy shit on her, is basically what they're trying. (sighs) Just unbelievable. I'm sorry, I wanted the... Like, forget Luigi. I wanted the ground to swallow me up with the moment that they have at the payphone when they start talking to each other. (laughs) Well, when they're fixing the van. Good lord! So yeah, so Mario and Luigi are fixing the van, and whilst this is happening, he's ring like he, like he tells Luigi to go and check the voicemail messages to see if they've got any more work coming. He probably lost like two jobs and voicemails that he was listening to. Never gets referenced to again. That van though, like that is a missed opportunity if ever I saw one. You know, you notice how when it drives past, there's like a faded logo on the side. Yeah, they could have made that like the game's logo. Or put some ref, put the fucking pipe on there, you know that iconic <laughs> green pipe. Anything, anything at all to reference the video. It's like they went as far as possible, so they would not get a copyright strike or something. Literally, literally, one thing I put on my notes was no pipes. Yeah, literally, literally the, the only fuck? thing that's one of the one of the cornerstones of this game yeah. is going into pipes to get into different areas. No pipes. Like like if they like if they had fallen down like a giant like well pipe-esque thing to get into this dinotopia crap that they wound up in absolutely fine no they get dragged in through some weird quicksand in the wall it's crazy it's absolutely ridiculous mario ends up like he's just gonna start like like ask her to dinner this that and the other and i'm sorry that dinner date was like one of the funniest pieces of shit in the entire movie for all the wrong reasons it was absolutely a mind-bending like one you've got so you've got this like again this 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 very stereotypical brooklyn girlfriend of mario's like the dits and i and like they're trying to show interest in the fact like because the reason why like like daisy's got this dig going on through the through the university or something like that they're asking her about her work and about the dinosaurs and these theories about the meteor crashed down and it crashed down in brooklyn coincidentally hmm. Hmm. They got evidence that that's how, like, that's what caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. And then out of, just completely out of nowhere, the girlfriend just flips it around, Danielle, and just says, oh, oh screw it, go. Do you know what? You should come to a tanning, you should come to the tanning salon I work at and get you a tan. <laughs> what? I think that's meant to show that she's quite vapid and quite, like, you know. Yeah. Just <laughs> as if it, as if you couldn't tell from what's on the screen. There's just no segue. It's not like like there's no lead there. There's not like it's just literally complete change of subject. Mm. And also done by the fact like she's saying about oh yeah you're gonna have to take this little medallion thing off because she's wearing this 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 meteorite which was uh, if I remember right placed on top of the of the of the Superman style rocket case that she was left in that her egg was in. Didn't they use it to unlock it or something? Was it to unlock it? I can't. I can't. I remember. Yeah, I didn't but, pay that much. Attention. But yeah, but she, but she wears it like, like that's like the whole plot device of that is for her to just then turn around. She just says, "Oh yeah, I can't. Oh yeah, I actually can't take this off because it was the only thing that I was found with." And they go, "What? Well, 
oh, I was abandoned. It's like, what? Like, it's <laughs> just so throwaway. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, I guess if you've made it to your 20s, you've kind of come to terms with it, right? Okay, I, you know, not being in that situation, I wouldn't know, but I guess you can explain it away with that. I mean, of all the of all the plot holes in this film, I guess we're probably devoting a bit too much. Oh, there to are one. plenty, plenty <laughs> more um, plot holes where that came from. I'm not actually going to like, like, I actually, uh, about an hour into this movie, uh, I, I took a break and I pressed pause Same. and I grabbed a drink and I came to sit down and I looked at the timer and it said 22 minutes. I thought, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's not right. Brilliant. I've seen all of Nintendo's waking nightmares right now. Did it bug any of you that Luigi doesn't have a moustache in this? Because it bugged the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just to like distinguish between the age, isn't it? Like, well, but if Mario... he looks up to him... Yeah, Mario being the father figure and Luigi being like the young buck. Well, let, let's face it, if there was going to be a sequel, you know full well he would have a moustache because he's become a man. <laughs> Maybe it looks almost like Freddie Mercury if he had the moustache. Exactly it. Then. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Lee. I was actually probably more annoyed by the fact that, like, when they're trying to set up this whole date that night. I mean, this is like broad day, like middle of the afternoon, whatever. That he's talking to Daisy and he's asking her out on this date, and they actually say pick you up at six Wait, is this some early bird special is that like <laughs> they're broke <laughs> very true very six true i hadn't thought about is that a perfectly normal time to go out to dinner what is it with people these days <laughs> people want to eat at like 10 o'clock at night jesus christ get in the sea it's like <laughs> bedtime for christ's sake dinner time six o'clock perfect oh hang on granddad i've got your horlicks here <laughs> No, dear, I need my going out teeth. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really fun moments with the cousins. I will say this, but it, 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 it was like it was like little things where like Mario leaves the restaurant with Danielle and they're convinced that it's her. You know, it's like, you're sure it's her? Of course it is. She's wearing a disguise. Go, of course. Why wouldn't she wear a disguise? What? I mean. <laughs> See, I think that's funny. <laughs> that's great. We've established Ollie's level now. <laughs> but I will say it does get quite dark though when they do approach Danielle and they put a bag over her head and I mean not dark enough I could still see pictures on the screen <laughs> <laughs> I get no Ollie couldn't no sorry carry on no no, no I didn't no, no, I do right. it's just that it does take a bit of a funny turn when you've got like this quite like hostile scene of a young young woman being kidnapped and abducted and you know we've already heard that is it like two three or four of them have already like four have happened four have gone missing like, yeah and you've got you've got no you've got no resolution to that you just either assume that they're gone or they're just dead at this point because there's there's no indication about actually what's going on it's like hang on we're like segueing into like summer of sam here which again great john leguazimo film nice little turnaround excellent there you go, thank you i loved how I actually had a vocal response. I was I, I was sat down watching this on my own and I had a vocal response. Like Luigi turns around here and Daisy are walking down the street and he actually, he, he, he apologised in advance for saying something weird. So it was a bit late for that. Like we still got 90 minutes to fucking go. <laughs> so much random stuff that comes out of his mouth. And there's this, 
I know it's supposed to be written as some sort of like self-deprecation, but it was just a weird moment because like like Daisy thinks that she's coming off very strange. And so she's saying, you know, like if you want to call it a night and go home, whatever, I'm not going to be offended or something like that. And he turns around in this really dumb sensibility and just said, you know, that's what he was going to say. Like, you know, if you wanted to end this, but you feel bad about it and you wanted to talk to someone about it, you can call me. I'm just literally head in hand. Just, 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 I, I, I don't understand. Like three people were credited writing this film. I'm pretty sure that there were three other people on this before as well. And, <laughs> and, and it, it, it's, it, it's nonsensical. You could not piece this together properly. I think what's patently clear is this this whole film was a terrible idea and should never have been made. Right? That's that's what we're getting at. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But it's even like little details that are found. Like they you know, like like they kind of very flirtatiously run to the dig site, which they're worried about security, but that gate is not padlocked. Mm. This is when we start getting into the realms of we start getting closer now to the to the whole plot point of getting to this Is it Dino Hatton? Yeah. Dino, Dino Hatton. Hatton. Yeah, because like during this, like the Scapellis have sabotaged this dig, but Mario and Luigi fix the pipes. Yeah. Now, before they do that, Daisy and Luigi run to find Mario. Yes. Right? Yeah. How fucking small do they think Brooklyn is or how close do, do they actually live to this dig site? Because, I mean, they get they get there and back. I mean, obviously, they, they there's a time jump of some description, but it's like surely that would take you a good slug of time to run from the dig site easily. And yet, no damage has occurred to those bones at all. Yeah. The water, Which, water level's barely risen. Don't something it back. I mean, the fact that, like, Daisy's showing Luigi these bones and she's deconstructing it, like, oh, it's, it's almost as though they were learning to walk. It's like, well, this just completely shits over everything that has been kind of, like, foreshadowed already. Because the idea is it's a parallel universe. They didn't come through. And they're treating it as though they were there, and just it's just oh god. No, no, no. It's 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 to do with like evolution, like Red Dwarf and the cat, right? They're evolving into more human-like forms. I think is what she means. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. See, this is the bit I was like confused about because at the beginning you see the when Daisy's mother runs back to the tunnel and she sees Cooper in the doorway, and then it collapses. Are we like led to believe that actually that skeleton is? is daisy's mother oh i hadn't thought about that which is baffling because she's humanoid and then that skeleton clearly yeah. has a dinosaur head and then there's two of them so actually is this another cooper that we're about to meet and the other Co- cooper 10 years ago perished i it's just so baffling well lee correct me if i'm wrong because this is like this is something and i'm i'm jumping ahead like right to the end Skip to the end. Skip to the end. <laughs> but so so part of this is is that Cooper, like a plot point of the film, is that Cooper is running the city, and the king has vanished. No one knows where he is, and without giving too many spoilers away as we go, the king does return, and the king is played by Lance Henriksen, who is literally on screen for ten seconds. What got me, like, when I found, I found out that he was credited as King Bowser. <laughs> oh, really? And, uh, yes. So they've, they've made a... I mean, well, it's more amb- it's more ambiguous. So, like, like how Daisy and Princess Toadstool are treated as one character in this, they are actually two separate. 
could be a similar thing in that they split one character into two. Because actually King Cooper and Bowser, I think Bowser was the name, the Japanese name for him. While we had King Cooper initially and then obviously as time went on and the world, yeah, you know, global village type thing, you know, society got smaller. Like, you know, we could overlap names and such. I think that's what's happened. I think that had been resolved by the time like Mario 3 came out and that came out a couple of years before this. True. So they just done fucked up. They just done <laughs> fucked up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not find it weird? Like there is actually so much focus on actual plumbing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe they wasted all those precious minutes of screen time on actual plumbing. So much right. Not a, not a teleportation pipe in sight. No feathers, no fire flowers, no super mushrooms, no one-ups. Bricks to headbutt. Yeah. No plenty of plumbing. Like, no, there coins. Was so... no coins. No coins. Mention of coins. And this yeah. is what got me. So, so as we as we go along, and the cousins actually do something right for a change. They get Daisy. They grab her. They take her through this portal. Now... I've got, I've got. I need to go into the incredulous corner at this point. I think because oh, the door, the door's still open. Yeah, like, I'm not fine. closing that for a good age. This whole episode is in the corner. So, <laughs> right. So you see Daisy like ripple back through and is like screaming out, "Help me!" type thing. Mm-hmm. Also at the end, spoilers. Also at the end, like you know, you see uh, Mario come back in and tell Luigi, "Come on, we got to go." Right. Yet when Mario goes through this portal the first time. He falls a lot. He's like he's falling, like you know when like Gandalf and the Balrog like fall down yeah. to the like center of time <laughs> yes. or wherever it is. It's like that. So how the hell is he like just popping his head back through, or she, as well? How is how are either of them do, able to do that, given that they fall about twenty miles through like you know Stargate to get there to the other <laughs> side? It's I, I I I mean like that. This is one of those moments that you remember how funny bob hoskins can actually be because one thing that i actually did take away from that is that like the whole thing where like the physical comedy element of it where he's like leaning out to the portal to go Mm -hmm. into it like like honestly i actually thought it was really funny i think like like there are moments to credit the actors which guaranteed was their work and not the director's yeah the cast are what make this film watchable really it's the rest of it is a steaming turd it's just ridiculous like i did like again plot hot no plot problem. hole of writing there's a moment like like when they're going down the thing like because because they got the whole thing where like mario says oh i've been listening to i've been listening to pipes in this city for years that's the echo we'll go this way and then literally five seconds later you're saying luigi this is a dead end let's go away it's like this is the route that you said to mm. take <laughs> continuity click like not a thing in the 90s for everything that we've watched so far well no, Unreal. I, just think, I just think it's this film is just they just weren't you know the script writers were clearly not very good for the most part <laughs> no but again like uh like solomon his his writing credits are phenomenal but clearly he couldn't even save this i mean yeah like, like i said the actors are the saving grace and to be honest some of the cinematography and the sets are actually pretty like the sets are actually really impressive well that's what i was going to say that is another like real saving grace of this film and the effects like, as well let's just like skip into uh dino hatton and you know yes, we're, we're, yeah. we're, in, we're introduced to like this this dystopian world this like supposed to be like an alternate reality to manhattan which you know is probably in the 90s is pretty much similar anyway (laughs) (laughs) fucking dumb take that new york yeah (laughs) but the the look of it 
and the set design and the construction actually I think is is really good and I, the, the aesthetic of it is is quite mm. quite striking you know it's like the way it's all kind of like layered up and everything's built on top of each other and the wire meshes and actually that city runs on electricity and like electric cars they were ahead of their time mm. <laughs> give them that watching films like this in the like 80s into the 90s i think is always fun because it makes me thankful for films that actually fork out the money for practical sets and like the scenery and things like that i think there's a lot to be said i think you know i i'm not knocking the industry for for use of, of cgi and things like that i just think that there are certain things that just aren't there yet that you simply can't fake i think it's so much better to see something there's so much there's something a bit more rewarding as a viewer to see something like tangible rather than episodes one two and three <laughs> It gives the actors more to work with as well because they're not having to imagine what's on that green screen. It's they, they yeah. can see it. Like that's the thing. We saw it with the Hobbit, didn't we? You know, we watched the Lord of the Rings. Weta had done a fantastic job. It was stunning. It was beautiful. And then the Hobbit came around, and it was just like, oh, hang on, like it's just lost its soul. Mm. Is what it felt like. It had just been like yeah. torn out. Like the the depth had been taken away, and it just. And it just looked flat and sad. Didn't see and McKellen famously break down in tears on set because of precisely that. Basically, he's trying to like so. act to a green screen. He's like, "This isn't, this isn't right." Like, I'm gonna bring it back a little bit because I actually want to focus because now we are in Dino Hatton, so we're gonna come face to face with a few things. Before that, one thing that I took away was. I was actually quite impressed with the animatronics that was used in this film because like when they first land in the street you see these two tiny dinosaurs fighting over a scrap of something that I thought was really good like I thought that actually looked really really good I think the animatronics and all the practical effects in this film are just, you, you cannot fault them like they no. if, if I'm going to if I'm going to be you know if we're going to praise this film for anything, it's definitely that kind of stuff. Like, it is spot on. You know, we, we meet Yoshi a bit later as well, and he's like, yes, phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal puppet. So, we meet Cooper, and I cannot work out what he has against plumbers. It's not just them, because he literally turns around to Lena, who's played by Fiona Shaw, and he literally goes, plumber alert. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> they, they're suggesting it's not it, it's not King Cooper that is Donald Trump <laughs> it is it's Donald it is Donald that it is scarily like, he is playing Donald Trump I think you might be on something <laughs> yeah is it not a case of it's he's just like using shorthand to put out an all you know put out an all points bullet on for any plumbers I don't I don't think it's like you know he's got like red alert brown alert plumber alert I don't think it's like that <laughs> I think it's more the fact it's like put an alert out for plumbers, like you know, round them up, basically. I think this whole movie is brown alert, isn't it? I, think. <laughs> I want to take a moment. This is like one of the most random points of the film for me, and that's really saying something. I want to take a moment to talk about the tooled up granny. <laughs> hey, you boys need a weapon? <laughs> yeah. That's just, do you know what? Didn't mind that bit. 
I thought that was quite funny. I did find it incredibly hilarious that if you watch that frame by frame, that is a 250 pound man that's landing in those cars. They're like three times the size of that <laughs> granny jumping into cars and stuff like that. It's one of the most amazing transitions I've ever seen of a film ever. And then we get, we get this, this foreshadowing, like clearly these are going to be a thing later on, another MacGuffin that this movie is going to throw at us because Luigi and Mario have got the meteorite that was around Daisy's neck. Pulled it off her neck as they're going, as they were trying to save her, and now Luigi has it. However, that's when they bump into this woman who is wearing these boots, and then she takes the meteorite, she thinks it's something valuable, and then she clicks her heels like Dorothy and bounces off into the night. So this is kind of foreshadowing the fact that, yes, okay, clearly Mario and Luigi are not going to be having these superpowers that are going to be jumping up and down and incredible heights and whatnot. This is this is trying to this this is foreshadowing of Chris Nolan's Batman universe. This is no, we can't just have it like they're gonna have all these gadgets and do all these amazing things. We have to ground this and make it somewhat believable, and that's exactly what they were trying to do with these boots. However, gentlemen, those boots appeared in another film. Can you name that film? Ooh. Give us a clue. Is it an Arnie film? Is it gonna be like Total Recall or something? It is not an Arnie film, it's later than that. Hmm. It was face off. Oh, they the, really? um, the boots. The, it's the um, boots from the prison. Prison boots. <laughs> they remind me of the justice boots from Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get like like there is this thing like plumbers seem to be outlawed. Like they get taken <laughs> away. Like they get thrown in to a police car with this <laughs> with this guy who's called Toad. That's like the only reference that you get. Again, they could have given him like a big kind of like, you know, like the kind of hats that Rastafarians kind of wear. You could have had one of those with the fucking dots on it. No, no, we'll just put a swirly pattern in his hair. So there's just so many like random choices made in this song. Like, for example, like Daisy gets taken to like Cooper and like Trump Towers and she, she, she sees Danielle and then... As they're talking, randomly, one of the girls that has been... Because it turns out that this is where all of the girls that have been kidnapped in Brooklyn have ended up. And... Of course. But if you look in the background, one of them, who is in aerobics outfit, is still doing stretches in the background. And I just thought, it's like, that's a weird choice. Fair enough, it's a choice you stuck with. Yeah, it's it's odd. I I did also spot that. I love the fact, like, Danielle said that she doesn't know much, but she seems to know every major plot point up to this point. <laughs> Exposition dump. <laughs> yeah. It's like, especially... well, it's like, well, I don't know what's going on, but I know they're looking for someone called Daisy with a meteorite and doing this, that, and the other. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and who has she been told that by? Especially as the Goombas don't speak oh. any English. Speaking yeah, of the Goombas, Goombas are just there, know. just going... You know, you know, you know Goombas, the, the really famous, like, quintessential Mario enemy that is a tiny little brown mushroom thing. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, so let's make them really tall, gangly, dinosaur-looking things, you know? What the... F- this is this is now the corner of rage, I'm going to point out. <laughs> corner <laughs> of rage. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> just the more I watched this film, the more, like, annoyed I got. I was like, why didn't they do it like this? Why well, didn't this they reference what... this more? No. <laughs> what, what made me cross amongst so many things, but like there's the moment they get taken to the police station, they get processed, 
And this is where, like, this is the, like this is what really fucked me up. That now we get to the realm of, although it is quite a funny line, the way it's delivered between the two of them is it is that you find out that his name is Mario <laughs> Mario, <laughs> and Luigi is Luigi Mario. And they said, but he's trying to get us. Okay, there's two of you. How many Marios are there? He goes, three. There's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. No, dickhead. That's not. <laughs> Still a better thing than, than how Han Solo got his name, though. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I kind of prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> but what exactly, like, so much crazy physical comedy shit happens in that moment? What is that decontamination scene about? It's about the fungus. The fungus is choking the city. They, they do say... No, I understand why. I don't understand, like, the level of what they're doing. It's like something out of Funhouse. Like, so much <laughs> conveyor belts and slime. Gunge, yeah. I half expected Pat Sharp and the twins to pop up. <laughs> After the decontamination scene, what was with the, like, firing squad mugshots? I actually thought that bit was pretty funny. I quite enjoyed that bit. It's just like, you know, it's like gearing up that they're just going to, like, you know, they're being lined up to be shot and then it turns out to just be um, just be their photo being taken and they're it's like, just their un- look of shock is pretty funny. But so many cameras. I get it if it was, like, a couple, but so many cameras just did not make sense. I did chuckle, of course, when you got the moment where Bob Hoskins turned around as Mario and go, are we dead? He'd go, nope, you still have 70 minutes. Like, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're not off the hook that easily. <laughs> Luigi is like, weirdly upbeat for being in this, like, chicken coop prison. Like, he's in this cage, Toad is above, playing the harmonica, which they weirdly didn't confiscate in this prison, and Toad's giving, like, the biggest exposition dump of the movie. And that is one thing with this film. They do that quite a lot. They don't let the film just, like, play out. There's no case of just letting it ride and letting your imagination take over. Like, periodically, they have to explain away why things have happened and what's going on. And, like, I just didn't feel it necessary. Unlike when we watched, like, Tremors last, it was just like, there's some monsters, no explanation. Boosh. Mm. But they're not in some weird parallel dimension where everything's fucking weird. I think that's the point. It's why they feel they have to explain it. But we know they've gone into a parallel dimension. We know they've gone into a different world. You know, what? there's no need to explain it to the extent that they do because they explain everything away i think it's just a bit of a shame i just think they're going for just to like make it accessible to people who don't i mean not that the people who knew the games knew what was going on either but like you know (laughs) (laughs) it's so far removed away from like the bright and colorful like exciting world that mario lives in or that we know him from the computer game so it's just well you know you're making it so polar you're making it so different just let it play out just let it hmm. be something something new fair point not it trying was to the 90s though i know and it's just the justification of it all i think it's just like they were trying to justify the film i mean i think the, the problem is they're trying to shoehorn a story into a game that really doesn't have that much of a compelling story it's go here and rescue the princess that's it i mean if anything they should have they should have made this film animated if they were going to do it properly yeah an animated feature probably would have worked and would have been a lot less silly because they already had the super mario brothers cartoon and the super mario world cartoon that lasted about three episodes and was shit but it was still a thing and it probably works better i think interestingly i did read the the very minimal research i did that this was actually going to be like a prequel to the animated tv series 
Really? <laughs> and, and this was to, and this was to, and the original like story was this. This was to kind of like explain away like Cooper's fascination with the princess, how the the brothers Mario ended up in like an alternate world. Yeah, why there's dinosaurs and Goombas and all sorts of other stuff like that. But that doesn't work because they look totally different. And also the premise in the like literally the Mario Brothers Super Show, um, the the intro to that with the little mat with the little rap shows Mario and Luigi getting sucked down a drain that they're unclogging, and that's how they end up in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, because I'm not sure in what world Bob Hoskins turns into Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. <laughs> it- That warp wasn't kind. Your research done you bad. No, it's not that it was supposed to be. It's just that originally it was intended that this was going to be, but because the amount oh, of like yeah. rewrites that it went through, it became like more sense. it became its own entity. Actually, when you look at it, when you look at the film, there are a lot of references and tropes from the computer game. It's just that the leaps and Leap is baff- right. Yeah, the, the, the baffling design <laughs> choices that were made are absolutely hilarious. Because, yes, you have the Goombas, you have other characters, you have Cooper, Bowser, Mar- It's just that the way they've been implemented and designed and put into this new Dino Hatton world, it, it, that's, that's, the, that's the problematic bit about it. And trying to make a romance between Luigi and Daisy as well actually something that is kind of canon in the mario universe if you want to call it that oh was it is mario well mario has peach and and luigi has oh yeah daisy. i forgot about peach and daisy difference yeah. yeah yeah interesting what you're saying about about in the references and the games and stuff so shigeru miyamoto who was one of mario's creators uh stated after the like after the fact is like the once creator, we, yeah is the creator sorry um not one of solely after the dust had settled on the film, he said, in the end, it was a very fun project that they put a lot of effort into. But he also said, the one thing that I still have some regrets about is that the movie may have tried to get a little too close to what the Mario Brothers video games were. And in that sense, it became a movie that was about a video game rather than being an entertaining movie in and of itself. Now, when Sick I found burn. that excerpt... Part of me wanted to turn around and say, maybe this was just badly translated because in no fucking way is this movie in any way, shape or form remotely close to the video game in the slightest. Somebody called Dr. Mario to administer some ointment for that burn. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, what does Cooper have about plumbers? Like... (laughs) Like, he went off on that in the interrogation as well. There was something in that moment where just got like, what is it about plumbers that he does not like? And then we get, he, he, he takes the plumbers away and Toad, and then they take him to the, to, the, to the chamber where you can de-evolve or evolve. And they de-evolve Toad to a Goomba. I was pissed off about that. I really was. I thought they missed an opportunity of having, like, a sidekick style character for these strangers in a strange land they just wasted it completely but later because i did forget about this does have a completely different redemption arc which actually i didn't mind i and i'm gonna get to that in a bit didn't realize that the, the you can actually decipher roughly what the goombas are saying i thought it was all just like you know unintelligible grunts most of the time but like by the end of the film you kind of can understand what they're saying 
Oh, I was far too twatted for that at this point. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I was livid. And I was the one that chose this film. <laughs> yeah, you've got no one else to blame. <laughs> like there was a, like, even the science behind this bit. Like like Cooper's giving the whole speech about like evolved from single cell organisms. And Mario has the line back to him in retort just because I said, what single cell organism did you come from? He said, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I just went, not a single cell yeah. organism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did chuckle when, like, when Toad gets turned into a Goomba and they're all just in uniform, so you can't really differentiate them that much. But for some reason, that Goomba, they put his harmonica back on him. That's why. So he was just yeah. going around playing this harmonica. <laughs> He has like a swirly haircut as well, doesn't yeah, he? Like, yes, what... he does. Yes, yeah. But again, great animatronics on on like the Goomba heads and stuff. So good. It's only like in recent like in recent watch that I did really twig that it's just okay. It's just another head on top of another head. But because of the way he's styled, like the long kind of like military trench coat, if you will, like the, the high collar and then the small head, he's, they are quite menacing, really. And the, the little little teeth in the oversized mouth it's, it's really quite scary <laughs> it's not scary but you know what i mean they're, they're... i think we're starting to get to the real reason ollie hasn't yeah. watched this movie on the dvd yet <laughs> but it's like he's like to try and get over his arachnophobia it's like yeah i'm just gonna like you know hold a spider or something no, i'm gonna buy the mario brothers dvd <laughs> trying to get over this irrational fear it's more scared of me than i am of it no it's really not is <laughs> at this point the Mario non-bros make an escape. <laughs> they push Cooper into the into the chair, hit the devolution, which doesn't do shit. You get a little preview. It's like, oh, his eye changed. Are we going to see something? No, you're not. It was just such a wasted moment. And then they slide. They take their chains and they're sliding down a, a rail or like they grab and they're sliding down the prison, which... I, I like once I noticed this, I couldn't unsee this. One, there is a prisoner who is actually hanging outside of one of the cages celebrating. So he's in his own little <laughs> Didn't see that. He's in his own little prison break celebrating the fact. But what got me is that they strung that scene out so long, they used that same cell twice. They used that same moment twice. Brilliant. So as the as the Mario Nombros are escaping, they get into this police car. And it was just like again, it's just this like playing up to the playing up to the gamer crowd when you have this moment where like Luigi seems to be able to work all of the tech in the car, and Mario's so blown away by this. How are you doing this? And he boils it down to like, well, you always said that like, like clearly playing all those video games panned out. It's like what? Just... <laughs> I've forgotten grief. about that line. Jesus Christ so bad i like that was that was a, a, a true eye-rolling moment for me but it is a way they try to get on board isn't it with like the geeks of the time by having like this interactive display and you know not having a mouse but having a glue gun attached to a bit of cable what and the it's... fuck was that about so like like it's the zapper isn't it yeah hey? why not use the zapper the actual why don't use the nez gun i was like yeah. i was waiting for that i'd forgotten about that they use the I mean, nez one later on for the devolution yeah, gun we do blaster. we see well we yeah. see the preview of the of the of the devo of, gun like, the devo gun is actually the super scope from scope. the from the yeah. from the super with nintendo extra handle. <laughs> with the extra handle but what amused me the most this film came out in july of 1993 in the uk right 
The Super Scope was not released in this country until August of the same year. So there are some people out there that would have seen that movie and then the product be released and then that like the movie is their first reference to that gun. So you have to wonder, were people tarnished a little bit by this quote-unquote Super Mario Brothers movie replica? Because <laughs> the movie would have been their first exposure to the Super Scope. See, I think it would have been the other way around. I think they would have been excited. Yeah. Because it's like a film prop, isn't it, basically? And now you've got now you've got it in real life. I, I gen- At the time, I, I think that the film was poorly received by critics and by most people, but probably the people <laughs> that it was aimed at, like 10-year-olds, even though it wasn't very actually kid-friendly, I would say it was probably enjoyed probably by kids, though. It probably genuinely was. Well, it was it was a kid. It was aimed at kids, right? It's so it's got a yeah, PG but like, rating, and it's based on a bloody kids. Yeah, but I mean, like the aesthetic of it and some of the tones within the film, hmm. they're not very kid friendly, you know. You know, you so because you've got Big Bertha in a like you know, really child inappropriate costume, I suppose. So I want to talk about Big Bertha for a split second because this is. Like, unless you know the game, it just comes off as incredibly inappropriate. Even back then. Because they're talking because like when they're talking with Spike and Iggy after they've been like evolved but yet are still completely useless, Mario and Luigi describe the woman that stole the meteorite shard and they turn around and went Big Bertha, which is hilariously like just offensive it's it, it, it like in any way you shape it but for those people that don't know the game bertha is the fish in mario brothers 3 is she yes yeah, that's what she's based on bertha is the name of the big red and white fish in mario brothers 3 from uh, from the from the um third world from the uh, from the uh, from the sea world i'm just asking jeeves at the moment and yeah i see what you mean i'd forgotten about that i don't know mario 3 as well as i know but this is what I mean about their design choices. You know, they've kept a lot of like the characters and the tropes of the computer game. It's just that they've manipulated them so far beyond belief that they are unrecognisable. Mm. And you have to be a real, real nerd to get all of the references in this. Very it's true. On- it's, it's only now, like all these years later, thanks to thanks to the Internet, that you can understand half of them. Yeah, I didn't even know that. See, and I was quite a big fan. I knew uh, most of the games quite well, but I didn't know that. There was like that whole club scene between Bertha and 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 Mario and the slow dance. So Roxy <laughs> oh. Music. Oh no, no, Roxy Music is prior to that, isn't it? That was um so the so the cover of um Love is the Drug that was by the Divinals. Hmm. But that whole scene was just weird, uncomfortable. It was just, <laughs> it was just odd. You almost like for a split second, you get this feeling of you can do better, Bertha. Mario's just a tool, and after he gets close, steals the shard and then runs away. But then she helps him escape, and then there's a moment where she beckons him over to kiss him, and he's all game for it. He's like, "Yeah, give me some of that." And you almost think it's like, well, you've clearly forgotten about the girlfriend that you literally left mm, like the, three hours ago. You came ago. to rescue. Yeah, well, uh, he, doesn't know. He, no. doesn't he doesn't know. He doesn't know that. Yeah. 
But there was that moment. So like, like you left your girlfriend like sleeping at home in Brooklyn, and Mario's just a dog in this movie. Mm. Like he's 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 he's, he's going point. for yeah. it. So does she wear anything that pertains to her being like a, a large fish enemy? Because I didn't spot it if she does. Other than the other than the spiky red dress that she's wearing, which is ridiculously obscure, no. But there is absolutely no explanation in that scene. Like, why all of a sudden she has a change of heart towards him. Like, yeah, you know, he goes to, like, woo and woo her so that he can get, like, the, the crystal off of her neck. They get the crystal and then he just vanishes. And he, like, he literally in that moment breaks her heart. You can see it. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. Then, that was a great little character turn. I thought she did, yeah. like, 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 that was a great moment with her. And then it's like, all of a sudden, like, oh, no, I have respect for you. Is it solely <laughs> because he's or they're working against, yeah, the Goombas and Cooper because we mm. see Lena come in? And I have to just, I'll just say it now. I think Fiona Shaw is absolutely incredible in this she film. She is killing this film. It is great. She owns the character. She's really she good. She looks fantastic in all of the costumes. And the way she carries herself as an evil villain is absolutely brilliant. And when I saw it again this week, I was just like, I'd for- forgotten she was in it, and I was blown away. I was just like, she's perfect. She's brilliant. Anyway, sorry, I think, David, you are going to say something I interjected. No, 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 it's like, so I've been quite quiet, because get to saying, if you've got nothing good to say, say nothing at all, but fuck it. <laughs> this is supposed to be a kid's movie. Why the fuck have they gone to a strip club? Why is there a strip club in a kids movie? It it, it, it is a strip club they go to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, the... I, I mean, I have so many comments, like in, in terms of this, from the from the dress that Bertha is wearing, um, to half of the clothes that that Lena is wearing, like that Fiona Shaw is wearing in this movie. It's yeah, you you don't quite grasp how this could be seen as a as a family film because this was a PG. This 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 was very much intended to the families. Another moment which made me think: I don't see how this could be marketed to the families. I was crazy uncomfortable watching the scenes between Cooper and Daisy. Mm. Mm. There is a saving, there is a saving grace to this scene though. This is where we get introduced to Yoshi. Yes. And I know we've said it previously that it is a great practical effect, but I just want to bring it up again because I. I've just read that he was like a $500,000 puppet. Wow. And he mm. is actually brilliant. You know, let's the big competition this year in 93 was Jurassic Park. And, you know, I think it's kind of on a par. He doesn't look like, yes, the Yoshi we know from the video game, but we're not in that realm anymore, are we? We're in the realm of like slightly realistic dinosaurs. And I think the way he moves and the way he tilts his head and interacts with daisy i think is really brilliant it's a very it's a good, really good yeah absolutely the, the 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 that's one of the one of the things on, on on face value watching the film at the time i was not mad at you said like the amount they spent on it is was very clear as a practical effect was absolutely brilliant it was um it's 64 separate movements three foot tall structure had 200 feet of cable crammed inside in order to facilitate those movements and was actually uh it took nine puppeteers to operate (laughs) 
That is elaborate. And that's some next level Henson shit. That's 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 really really admirable. I think that's one thing that stands out for the film, which again doesn't say a lot of the overall production if the one thing that you take away from it is the animatronic dinosaur was awesome yeah i've just looked it up um it's done by patrick totopoulos who worked on independence day uh godzilla ah. uh, stargate sport basically all the emmerich roland emmerich films uh most recent stuff justice league batman v superman and live free die hard so yeah oh, so wow. no wonder it's... can't win them all no <laughs> but is that why know... is like like is that why the film didn't do particularly well because it was an animatronic Bruce Willis. Is that <laughs> could, well been, could well have been? But yeah, no, no stuff. Like, obviously, he's basically all the Roland Emmerich films from the night he was on those and gave his name to um, Topolus in Godzilla. Oh, oh. is that yeah, where yeah, that yeah, came yeah. from? Yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, so good, good pedigree. Yeah, they obviously can't compete with the Stan Winston studio, but like I said, it is a bloody impressive effect. Yeah, Very having that good. Tan- tangible prop is what really makes yeah. it because that's what makes the acting as well. You know, as we said about McKellen, you know, he's not acting like against a void or a blue screen yeah, or a tennis there is something, ball. Yeah. Or a tennis ball. Yeah, a stick with a tennis ball. There's something tangible there to react to. And for the, for the amount of screen time it has as well, they, they put a lot of effort in for it. I mean, you say that shortly after this, Dennis Hopper has a moment with a tangible effect and that doesn't come off as well because we see him with this borderline monologue to this fungus hanging mm. with a chair. Did you ever wonder like why that chair was actually there? Because it never came down and sat down on the on the thing at all, but it had a chair that it could sit on. But it's just dangling from the from the screen. I did actually used to find this character like quite disgusting. I, I find him very similar to. Um, pizza the hut in space balls there's mm. just something about goofy <laughs> slimy creatures that i just find really like vile and disgusting and even though he's in it like momentarily and at, by this point we find out who he is and you're supposed to feel sorry for him and like i really don't i just think he is a grotesque creature there's we don't know who he is though do we yet i think there's kind of a link isn't there you know Cooper makes a comment about, oh, he's around, or we see him around. Mm. When Daisy asks, and then we instantly go to this scene, don't we? So there is kind of like a link there. It's and, Chekhov's fungus. And this is <laughs> yeah, and this is a throne, isn't it? That I'm pretty sure even has something like King written on it. Uh, Lance Henriksen demanded it. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't about the film. That was just about Lance Henriksen. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it, but... <laughs> like, what? Okay, so... Ollie, you are mentioning earlier about the... the little pistols they're using with the laser pointers to work the screens and whatnot, which was just a bananas concept for me. Yeah. Wait, did you never have a light gun when you were younger? Yes, to play a game, but I don't understand what the point <laughs> in... Like, like, in a world that, let's face it, in 1993, computer mice were very prominent, True. so I don't get the whole idea about like where like pointing a gun at a screen to do something came from. Let alone it's the and... Wii remote. It's it's foreshadowing the Wii remote. You know what? Twenty years prior. So I don't remember using a Wii remote to order a fucking pizza. But 
this so is there gonna... was a Domino's app on the Wii, I'm sure. So, but but can someone please explain to me what that pizza scene was about in this movie? <laughs> Seriously, like it's not as though it was a brand or it was a placement. It's not like he was ringing Domino's because Domino's said we'll give you two million dollars if you reference our product in this movie. This was just a generic pizza place that he was ordering a pizza that is rarely referenced again. Like it's literally a filler for no other reason, and it gets mentioned. <laughs> twice after this that's what it's for it's just for the gag isn't it it's for that initial cooper gets whatever he wants when he wants it and then he's being put off by a pizza guy and then it's when we he has that like authoritative authoritative scene later on he gets interrupted by the pizza guy again that's all it is it's piss poor italian american stereotyping that's what it is yeah (laughs) yeah i think yeah i think that's what both said there's like so many rife stereotypes in this movie from from the brit playing the italian to the like to like to the to the to the girls from brooklyn it's just so much in this movie that it's just it is this this movie is trash this is (laughs) definitely been the biggest lemon yeah it's straight up (laughs) lemonade it's just absurd but it does move a bit of a pace though do you not think because of Does everything. it? There's, there's <laughs> Remember, I thought I was watching this for about an hour and it had been 20 minutes. <laughs> I think there's, there's a, there are a couple of scenes that, yeah, that do lag. Yes, the restaurant scene, the elevator scene with the dancing goombas. Yeah. <clears throat> Yet another missed opportunity here. But it does, the film, because there is a lot going on in the film, it does move at quite a speed, I think. So, this elevator scene, right? Did any oh, of I you... Oh, I have thoughts. Yeah. I have questions not only is it overly long and makes zero fucking sense but did anyone else spot the elevator music is not the underwater theme i thought it was at first then i had to look it up and i listened there is a youtube compilation out there that has every single mario brothers underwater theme from the original game right up to the modern day i've no idea why but i listened through it and it is not (laughs) that tune it is actually a tune by uh, a guy called Frankie Yankovic, no relation to Weird Al, called Somewhere My Love. Uh, it is not the. It sounds very similar to what could be one of the underwater themes, but it isn't. Again, another missed opportunity there, <laughs> where they could have linked it to the game in some fucking way. Nah. What? Yeah, I just don't understand what the fuck that scene was about. I, like, absolutely. Like, they have no range of sight. They could have just waited and. Let, uh, they just walk off and and get away from them that way. But for some reason, they thought, no, the easiest way to deal with this is to rock them from side to side, spin them into each other so they just lock eyes and just go, oh, yeah, let's dance, motherfucker, and <laughs> just be swaying in the lift, staring into each other's eyes while this music is going on, and then they escape from the lift. Again, just a bizarre notion, a bizarre concept that does actually repeat itself later. And the explanation is just basically when everyone loves to dance, fuck off, Luigi. Prick. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's got, I'm, not that I'm comparing it to Spirited Away in any way, shape or form. But <laughs> Other this, than this... being two DVDs that you cherish proudly. Cherish very proudly. <laughs> but this is one of those moments within this film 
that is kind of used to kind of like slow the pace of the film so that the next scene that's coming up where Lena tries to kill Daisy is heightened. So you go from something so bizarre and like surreal to this like horrific scene where she tries to stab Daisy, but actually ends up stabbing Yoshi, which I think is worse in many, many ways. I have a few things to notice here. One, I've actually completely skated over the fact, like there's so much to bitch about, the fact that we are an hour and a quarter into this movie and we finally get a glimpse of the traditional green, red and blue colours of the Mario Brothers. They finally get to put these on. They have these boots that Bertha has given them. Did not notice until like right at the end when they put when they put another cartridge in the gun that they're actually bullet bills. The cartridge mm. is actually the missile from Mario Brothers, which I thought was a really nice touch. Again, it's not like Ollie, like you were saying, Finally it's all these a reference. little. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these things. Like, like there will be a reference somewhere, but you have to look really close to find mm. it. It was just weird that right, okay, plumbers are outlawed. But there are these overalls in a locker in Cooper's building <laughs> that blatantly belong to plumbers. Well, I don't think it's just... that plumbers are outlawed, though, are they? They literally I... said that, like they're being arrested no, for think... being a plumber. Well, it's because Spike and Iggy mentioned that the plumbers must have the stone because they're the ones that they were being chased by. So that's why Cooper then turns around and says, right, put out an APB for plumbers i don't think he has a general hate for all tradesmen <laughs> although to be fair the plumbing in that building is shocking so much so much fungus so much fungus can we uh, just go back to the, there's two scenes in this film where there is like mayhem on the streets and there's a guy on a bicycle that goes over a railing at one yes, point. Yes, I noticed that! And then later on, when stuff's going down in the city again, there's another guy who crashes his bike in a similar fashion. Now, is that the same guy? I've not been able to work it out. I think it's a different guy. There's also a guy who I think crashes into... I think he comes off of rails and then crashes into a car. And then later on, we see that same car with, with a skeleton yeah. on the front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is my my biggest bugbear with this film. Like you said, Lee, there are so many missed opportunities for this film. And I think there are certain things that would be very funny if more is made of them. But you're so blown away by how shockingly shit a lot of the overall <laughs> concepts that in front of you are that you're not then paying attention to stuff in the background because you don't care about the overall stuff that's actually happening hmm. and it's like it's only because like like after so many years of remembering the overall story of the film and the general concept of it and and, and what's going on that you like gave me the opportunity to kind of notice stuff like this in the background but films that you enjoy you'll notice everything hmm. films you don't enjoy you're literally sat there just going i just want this to end <laughs> i did go, uh, going back to toad quickly as i said earlier i actually like really enjoyed his arc i was quite surprised about i thought his what they were trying to do with that character was oddly sweet you'd think they could put him back in the devolution machine to reverse the effects right they could have at least done that uh, yeah yeah maybe then again that's just more money on cgi 
that they probably didn't have at this point. I think mm-hmm. the budget was pretty spent. But it was just like little things like when he turns up to Daisy's chamber and he has the meat and that's when she turns around and says that she's a she's a vegetarian and he looks really confused and he's and, and she's just like do do you have any steamed vegetables and he's like and walks off and then comes back with his plate of steamed veg like no clue where he got it from he just hmm. completely <laughs> just shows up with it but ollie what you were saying about like dark moments in this like when danielle's taken away and stuff like that this like this should have been really dark i found it weirdly hilarious because there's the moment when the the other goombas torch toad and they set him on fire and the re- like, like i'm not proud of this but the reason why i found it so funny is because if you listen very carefully there's a lot of harmonica playing in the background so he's not screaming he's breathing into the harmonica <laughs> <laughs> i mean they put him out don't they like in the end is it spike and iggy daisy grabs the extinguisher and then they take it off of her, and then they literally just put it down. Do they? I thought you, I thought you see them spray him. No, remember. no, they don't spray it there because they walk off with her, and yeah. then they take. This is the moment we then get. Well, Daisy gets introduced to the mushroom fungus, and she finds out who that is. F- fun guy, daddy. Yeah, the big ball. While that's going on, we actually get another one of Luigi's like. I've got a good feeling moments in the movie and they're running away and there's like all there's all the the fungus that's around and he says I'm going to like he's going to jump he thinks there's enough air to to propel him and he looks up and like Mario then looks at him and he's flying after he's jumped he's just kind of hovering above the ground proper peter pan moment where he's just gonna say yeah mario you just gotta believe just jump it's a leap of faith no luigi somehow you haven't noticed that your belt is stuck on a crane hook <laughs> yeah how did you not notice that right 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 it it was just ridiculous after they get away they finally get back and they they, they find daisy i can't even remember how they find daisy anymore honestly at this point i i, I i'm amazed i could see they find Daisy, and then Daisy takes them into the chamber. So is this after she's killed Yoshi? Yoshi I mean, I... doesn't. Yoshi doesn't no. die. Well, he's gonna because she pulled the fucking blade out. They <laughs> <laughs> teach you, like I'm pretty sure, if you're impaled on something, you don't pull that sucker out. You leave it in and let the medical professionals deal with it. You don't just yank the like yank <laughs> it out and go right. You'll be fine. Yes. Walk it yeah, off. yeah. Sorry, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting <laughs> one of the most important arcs of this movie, which is when Lena decides that she's going to call the shots. She's got the meteorite and she's going to kill Daisy. Actually, do you know what? We've actually forgotten. We've been moaning about the film so much, forgot like one of the most major plot points of the entire fucking film. The meteorite is the MacGuffin of the entire film because putting that in the meteorite that is still in Dino Hatton causes the worlds to merge. Yeah, that perhaps that should be explained now, shouldn't it really? Can you um, can you explain that? I I I've tried. I mean, yeah, basically <laughs> it just did. Well the thing is that at this point, it's believe Cooper believes that the only person that can merge the two worlds is Daisy because she's a princess. She's the only one that has the capability or the power to use the stone. But Lena, after all of her many years of like commitment to Cooper, is now just being like tossed aside for like this young princess that's just come in. So she's now, you know, taken umbrage at this, and she's 
she's going to merge the worlds, prove herself to Cooper, or even overthrow Cooper, who knows, by using the uh, witch's finger shard thing in the meteorite. Which is, yeah, so this whole thing then, she goes in to go and kill Daisy, and uh, Yoshi takes a, takes umbrage at this and, and, and decides to start some shit and tries to eat and that's when Lena pulls a blade out and sticks it in Yoshi. And this is one bit of the film that I couldn't remember, and I thought I thought Yoshi was going to get it. I thought Yoshi was going to die. Thankfully, no, because he turns up in the most random point of the film. So bizarre. Again, if they'd made it like the games, they would have just like taken the hit. She would have been like, you know, blinking in and out of existence for a couple of seconds, and Yoshi would have just run off until he like ran off a cliff. <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I think the biggest missed opportunity is is that they didn't eat Lena and he spat out an egg or something. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and to be honest, him having that really long tongue with that kind of, doesn't work with that kind of style of, of dinosaur. It just looked weird. There's the moment where Daisy sees Mario and Luigi and they introduce, like she introduces them to her father, who is the giant fungus that has been helping them throughout the entire film and laying stuff out. I wasn't happy about like how quickly she acclimatized to this giant slimy pile of mushroom being her father. Like a lot has happened to this girl in a short span of time and like let's be honest if like if that happened to any regular person like something in their brain would have snapped at this point. Like they would have just turned like thrown in the towel because this is too much. So this is where Daisy turns around to Mario and just said, "Oh, what about Danielle?" and Mario just goes, oh, "Danielle, I promise to take it to WrestleMania." thinking that she's still in her apartment and not having been abducted by the two cousins. He goes to save the rest of the girls, like like Daisy said, oh yeah, they're all being held up in this room, so Mario goes to go and find them. Where they've been kept, you get the impression it's some sort of prison section or what have you, but Mario, when he jumps and he kicks one of the Goombas over the desk, he turns around to Danielle and just says, like, oh, grab that Goomba mattress. I went, Wait, is this the barracks? Is this where, is this where they sleep? It again, just lots of little random throwaway lines. We just say you can't talk about stuff like that without some sort of clarification. Wait, that's just your, don't that, say anything. That's your biggest problem with the movie. That line, not anything else that's gone on up to this point. <laughs> it's one thing I have problem with this movie, not the overall problems. There are <laughs> way too many to count. Well, I think they missed another trick here because you see a Goomba coloring in, and yeah. he's coloring in a. Dinosaur. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Why that. Why isn't that an illustration of Yoshi? Yeah, good shout. It just gave the impression that this was some kind of rec room because there's like post there's posters on the wall and all sorts, isn't it? So they haven't got a prison. It's just some kind of like dormitory room for the Goombas that they're being kept in. We do have a little we do have a little callback here. Cooper is on the radio. He's trying to find out where the plumbers are and stuff like that, and that's where we get the where's my pizza? It's like don't understand why this pizza is constantly referenced <laughs> especially then like literally about like 10 minutes later when it's the final showdown he's in front of like he's got mario and luigi in front of him and he's got the and he's got the goombas behind him and then out of nowhere on the radio you just get sir your pizza's here <laughs> literally no other end is to, like break than to, than, to, than to break stuff up it was a weird device and we're 85 minutes in at this point. We are so close to the so end. So have we had Trust the Fungus at this point? Literally at this point. <sighs> because that's when they decide... S- swap belts. That they're not going... Yeah, it's where they swap belts. They give Luigi the... Like, give Luigi the tools. 
and the shard. Take this. And yeah, he's, he's, he's all like, Mario, trust the fungus. And again, it's that it's that spirituality versus practicality. It's there, may the force be with you, right? That's, that's Essentially, yeah. And I was... I was incensed by this. I got so angry because obviously he get he has this little this, this this little mushroom that as a as an audience member if you know the game then you know that like if there's a mushroom some crazy shit's going to happen. Like you're going to be like double the size or something like that. This is the reason why the Mario Brothers from 1984 became Super Mario Brothers was because of these powers that were going to come through. No, what happens? The mushroom just goes twice the size into a big shield. Fuck that shit. The wrong shape mushroom as well. <laughs> exactly no no red you know not red with white spots or anything like that so it doesn't look anything like the mushrooms you know in the game nah just i mean red and white i mean red and white mushrooms are toadstools aren't they yeah but a toadstool is a mushroom right it's just a name (laughs) this is where we are now with this film listeners we are talking about semantics about how a mushroom is defined and not about anything else to do with this film (laughs) during this showdown between uh between cooper and mario we see uh, like mario has collected a bomb you have all this great practical effects you have yoshi you have the goombas this bomb goes up a wall fine when it's crossing the street in the cast, you can see a fucking wire. Yeah, you can. <laughs> what the fuck? It was. It, yeah, hell. I watched it on my PC, and yeah, you had the wire. That yeah. was. You see that, but the bomb is the only prop in this film that is pretty spot on, other than maybe its size and the Reebok. Mm. A bullet bill's pretty close, actually. Uh, yeah, the true, cartridge yeah, yeah. for the boot mm. is it, yeah. it, it is really close. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, the the bomb is is one of the closest things, one of the things that they actually get right. I I, I mean, like I was amused by the fact that it's like, well, the fuses in the the fuses in bombs in the game never lasted that bloody long. <laughs> Obscene. That's travel a hell of a way <laughs> before it goes yeah, off, doesn't it? Yeah. Is the wire obvious on the DVD release, Ollie? Because I understand that would have been a lower resolution copy. <laughs> I didn't notice the wire at all. I'll be perfectly honest, oh. I did not. Again, it was like the the um, the the bomb traveling at the speed of plot, isn't it? On that, yeah, exactly. Um, and then during this scene, we it's where um, Lena's now like trying to merge the worlds, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's managed to uh, try and put the the shard into the bigger meteorite at the cost of her own life, I might add. Well, this she is doesn't know that at the time. No, but this is obviously what Cooper perhaps potentially knew, which is why you know Daisy was the only one that could do it successfully. It's oh god! It's when Luigi has just the 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 the, the puntastic Bond like line where like her she she gets electrocuted to the point, then she flies into the ground and it's just basically her fossilized bones embedded in the ground. As her well, that's one way to leave an impression. <laughs> it's almost as good as shocking. Isn't uh... it? <laughs> when she Indiana Jones is out of there. <laughs> oh my. god. God, she chose like, I, poorly. <laughs> I actually forgot about the whole Dennis Hopper banging out to the cheap seats. We're merging line. It was just such a bizarre moment because then they cross over into the human world. That's where the super scope MacGuffin is shown, and then the the the, the guy that runs the Scapelli 
uh, plumbers gets devolved into a chimp. Do you think this film was the reason why the super scope was shit as well? <laughs> they go back to Dino Hatton and the, the the final fight happens. Mario has one of these devolution guns. And this is one thing that I took away from this point of the movie that I think like I have nothing but respect for Dennis Hopper and his work. Do I think he wasn't necessarily a good choice for this casting? Pretty much. But he does the best that he could with it. However, I feel that we were cheated out of an actual Cooper on screen. As in, like, big monster Cooper. I think we were cheated out of that as a villain. However, if the computer graphics of what followed after the devolution gun went off, I think we were saved. <laughs> I think there is maybe one or two frames where he kind of resembles the Bowser that we all know, mm. but it's it's split second, and it's it's kind of only really a passing resemblance. But this is one of the few times where it kind of references Mario World properly, in that you've got Bowser in his like, I mean he's in like a big like uh, molten metal container thing, like and in the end, the very final boss of Mario World is Bowser in a big floating cauldron type thing. Okay. So it's it's kind of it's a close reference. It's well, no, it's a stretch, but it's I think it's meant to be. Because <laughs> the 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 one he's in in Mario World has a propeller on the bottom and a big clown face on it. Oh, I remember that actually. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And like he gets devolved into this goop, hmm. primordial ooze, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which in turn somehow is what makes King Bowser turn back change back see this is what i don't get. I, I absolutely hate this ending i was like this is where i'm f firmly on the soapbox in the house of incredulity really the just, end is yeah. where you're going to get on the soapbox welcome no, welcome aboard no i'm, I'm in <laughs> and i'm sat on the so and i'm sat on the sofa but now i'm on the soapbox in front of the fireplace because it's just not how i know the science is completely made up in this but it's so <laughs> It's so you don't kill off the boss and then all of a sudden you evolve or de-evolve back into a humanoid character. It makes no sense. And if that was the case, if you kill off the bad boss and the king reverts back, why I think you can just the, call him a boss. There's no good boss in a video game. <laughs> why haven't all the Goombas then changed back as well? Yeah. It's just yeah. like what what makes the Mushroom King or King Bowser, as they call him, like, special, because he was an experiment. That's a really so good I, point. I hadn't even I tweaked just, that at the time. I just don't mm. get it. It's just like, why? All of a sudden, he falls out of his cocoon slop cheese thing, and it's and it's Lance <laughs> Hendrickson for five seconds. And he just says, love those plumbers. It's like, I just don't get it. It's, it's, it's an infuriating It was a paycheck. <laughs> wow. Bought him a nice it's, house, I'm sure. I'm sure it you said right. The thing with Lance Henriksen again, nothing but respect. He released seven movies in 1993. That man works. <laughs> you don't really get a proper kind of like celebration. Like you don't get the the New Hope Yavin Four celebration. Yay! Other than a little cheer in the street, it then just cuts to black and goes three weeks later. Yeah. And they're cooking in the kitchen in Brooklyn. Have they paid off their rent? Like, you know, have, have they paid back the three months that they owe? Like, because they're going to appear on, like, 
of not mystery science theater, whatever the show that Luigi's is watching is, <laughs> unexplained world or whatever, or, you know, it's, it's like Twilight Zone type thing. But it's just yeah, it's just, oh, is that it now? Then back to normal. Very very odd. But it's not the ending ending, is it though? That's the that's the point. I think no no because we so... have the what they clearly plan to be the sequel moment. Uh, by having Daisy burst in with Devo guns and flamethrowers racked up like Rambo. And I can't even remember what she said had happened. You're never going to just... believe it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mario what? just said, yeah. Because Mario just says, oh, I believe. It's like, well, maybe let's hear what you're going up against first yeah. before you say if you believe or not. I'd love to know what they were thinking here and where they think it was going. Like They thought there'd be a sequel, okay, but what? what is there beyond this? what is this is it going to be Donkey Kong do we have to go fight him I mean mean, realistically surely Donkey Kong should have been first prequel yeah now 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 we're showing our nerdiness here because Donkey Kong was where Mario made his first appearance before Mario was as a thing another missed opportunity they could have called Danielle Pauline which would have been a Donkey Kong reference nope Uh... I think I think she wears a I think her outfit is meant to look a bit like Pauline's from that, I don't know. Well, isn't Scapelli still a still a monkey? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, there you go. There you go. He was quite a small monkey though, so maybe Diddy Kong can eat loads of bananas. Like well, what can I say, listeners? As do at that point, then obviously the Mario non brothers pick up their tools, and that is the end of the film. However, I think Ollie was about to say the same thing as me. In that it is not the end of the film, technically. It's not the end of the film, is it? Well, I was going to get to that. I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to build up to that. But one thing that surprised me before we get to that moment is the fact that it's one of the few major motion pictures that I've ever watched where a song and an artist is titled above the fucking cast. Like, Roxette. Roxette is credited with their song which is nowhere in the movie apart from the end credits and they credit that first before the cast list actually appears but that used to happen a lot right you'd get a lot of films like there was that whole u2 song that was in one of the batman films that is literally on the end credits and i think seal as well that was hold me thrill me kiss me kill me and that was credited first of all it's a fucking banger that is a great tune Mm. second of all they didn't credit that above everyone else no no no, it wasn't no, like... no i know that but the, the song being in the end credits was still was a yeah, thing where... that's not what that's not what baffles me what baffles me is that in the credits before you see cast bob hoskins mario mario john leguizamo luigi mario like the first Wait, how many names that you see is the name of the song and rock set before you see any cast it's like in case you're wondering this is the song. Oh, I thought that was just the name of the film. It's like that was working title of the film. That's so why it comes up at the end card. <laughs> Would have made more sense, right? And it's like, oh yeah, it wasn't a Mario Brothers film. <laughs> it was all about Roxette the entire time, of course. <laughs> but yes, as was alluded, and um, it was not quite the end of the film because even in 1993, we have some after-credit scenes. With two Japanese businessmen wanting to make a video game about the exploits of these people that they're talking to who are off camera, and it turns out to be 
Spike and Iggy. Mm. <laughs> Which I'm not even going to go through all the names they try and riff off, like puns and, 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 and spins on Super Mario Brothers. And it turns out to be, what's the one they give us? Like the Super Cooper Cousins. Maybe that was an indication they were trying to get like these characters are going to be back. It just doesn't work now. It's not as good as the after credit scene in Street Fighter. I was like, I definitely got more of a payoff from that for a failed sequel than what I got from this. <laughs> but that, that is the film. Well done, everyone. We did it. We made it. <laughs> So I actually want to get into some uh, trivia, as we like to do uh, for for this portion of the show. Both critically and audience-wise on Rotten Tomatoes, this has not done very well at all over the years. This has a critic's overall score of 28% and an audience score of 29%. In terms of video game movies, this may be the worst one that we've ever looked at so far, critically and monetarily where this movie had a budget of... Keep in mind, this was 1993. This movie had a budget of $48 million. That's, yeah. Like, that's... Like, 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 I'd have to work that out in today's money, but I'm pretty sure that's, like, Avengers 1-level money. I mean, to be fair, like, the, the, the cast list, the props, the sets, the score... The cinematography is actually all all right. It's just a shit script and like you know poorly directed. It was backed by Disney as well, though, wasn't it? By yeah. one of the Disney companies. So that's where the money came from because they were obviously trying to jump on this new bandwagon of making computer game movies and start setting up for franchises. Wasn't this the before, first one, the first video game movie that we had? Yes, it would have been of, of the kind of well-known. All of the ones we've looked at, at least. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Street Fighter was ninety four, Mortal Kombat was ninety five, so this would have been the first one. And what a what an act to follow, <laughs> especially when like I said with a budget of forty eight million dollars, roughly, the box office of this movie domestically was twenty million nine hundred and fifteen thousand four hundred and sixty five dollars. This made a loss Ouch. of nearly thirty million dollars. judging by the movies that came out in this year you can almost understand why so the only films of note that i can really think of that this beat uh because uh, super mario brothers was actually 73rd in the box office for that year (laughs) this beat army of darkness the third evil dead movie and batman mask of the phantasm which piss off i was outraged by because oh. mask of the phantasm is a genuine masterpiece of an animated film truly did, did that have a cinema release though yes yes, yes it, it did, did because the studio looked at it watched it and just said this is a movie nah this isn't going straight to video this is a movie and they put it out in the cinema the rest of the the movies that it was beaten by that year like there's a crazy list of stuff of things that came out and this is just like i'm i'm, I'm gonna rip this off really quickly well, all 72 but, uh, all 72 of them <laughs> there's quite a few but um no you got films like hot shots part deux um nightmare before christmas last action hero 
Tombstone, Sister Act 2, Demolition Man, Groundhog Day, Cool Runnings. All in the, the same year. That blows my all mind. All in the same year. This all came out in 1993. The top 10 from that year of box office takings were Cliffhanger, Schindler's List, The Pelican Brief, In the Line of Fire, Indecent Proposal, Sleepless in Seattle, The Firm, The Fugitive, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Super Mario Brothers lost out to a little film that people may have heard of in relation to other dinosaurs, Jurassic fucking Park, which in terms of box office had a domestic release. Obviously, Super Mario Brothers had just under $21 million. Domestic for Jurassic Park in 1993 was $357 million. That year was insane for movies. And that's just a short list of stuff that I pulled off. There is so much of note in those films. And it, like, it's, like, it's interesting because when you look at studios, when you look at films that are released now, you might get eight, maybe, of note, like major motion pictures for that year that get released. But you look at like the early 90s, like early mid 90s, and you have that many films of note that we grew up watching and still remember like it really speaks a lot for some of the stuff that's out there now just going to a little bit of trivia quick uh on top of the box office details was there were actually a lot of people that would pick for 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 these movies that actually turned it down for example cooper michael keaton was actually in line arnold schwarzenegger was above to play cooper i probably brilliant casting wouldn't it just (laughs) One thing that did get me, though, is that Luigi, one of the original casting ideas for Luigi was Tom Hanks. Hmm. However, due to the failures of Joe versus the Volcano and Turner and Hooch, it led the studio to believe that it was no, that he was no longer a box office drawer. And again, <laughs> how wrong were they? Right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Like again, I was incensed by the fact Turner and Hooch is a damn classic. I've seen it in years. When was Sleepless in Seattle out? Was that like ninety three? Yeah, it was one of the ones listed. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but more for them because that is an absolute yeah belter of a movie. He's flawless in that. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, he's in that. I keep I keep getting that one confused with While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> um, one of the directors that were offered to make this film but declined was the late great. Egon Spengler himself, Harold Ramis, was approached to direct this movie. And I'll be honest, I think if the script could be changed and a different concept could have been taken away, I think he could have saved that movie. Probably right. I want to segue slightly now. Obviously, like we, we have discussed quite at length the fact that this was not particularly well received by us or by anyone over the last 28 years. Apart from Ollie. Apart from Ollie. I tried to do my best by buy it in a DVD. <laughs> but there are people, like when I realised that this was on Amazon Prime, I saw an opportunity and I was surprised. Not just by the fact that Amazon Prime was offering this as part of their streaming, but the fact that so many people gave this movie a five-star review. What? Bots. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I would like... To share a handful of these five star reviews. Amazing! I love these. <laughs> so the first one that got me was was brilliant. The headline for this was the best kind of crap you can get. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the comment simply says, utter crud, but it's brilliant. <laughs> the next one was the headline, a classic. Potentially the best thing to come out of Mario. What? <laughs> what a steaming great turd. <laughs> the third one, the, th- the third one I found, the headline is, if Super Mario is real, it would be this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> The review is, I'm 90% sure that Super Mario is not real. <laughs> Wait, hang on. So, <laughs> he's that unsure that this character is not real. I'm 90% sure that Super Mario is not real. As Luigi said, nothing's ever impossible, improbable, unlikely, but never impossible. I love it. The, the fact that, like, the, you know, you know, you get those comedy Amazon reviews of like really mundane items if now stretched over into their movies yep. as well. It's great. That's incredible. It's great. He goes on. He goes on, my wife enjoyed the dancing Goombas. My children, not so much. (laughs) Separate sentence, they left Toad on fire. (laughs) It's been four nights, but I still wake up screaming at the memory of Toad burning to death. (laughs) That's amazing. Which, like, like, okay, what gets me? Toad doesn't die. He and Yoshi turn up out of nowhere like fucking ninjas when they say when Daisy says goodbye to Mario and Luigi at the end of the film. So good. Oh, we need to do we so, need to do more of this segment. This is gold. <laughs> Next one. Mario and Luigi fight Cooper and win. I liked Mario and Luigi, but I wish they had the coin boxes they jump up and hit with their heads. Also, I think Cooper should have been a proper dinosaur. Also, why couldn't they shoot fireballs and stuff? It's literally Every single did plot I, point yeah, problem with the this? film. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, Lee Blackout Drunk decided to write this review. Now, this <laughs> This one, oh God, this was just magnificent, but I had to, like, this is just stupidly long, but I have to say it. Headline, nothing like the games, but brilliant all the same. As you probably read in all other reviews... A lot of Mario and Nintendo fans think that this film is poor and ridiculous because the characters in no way resemble their 2D counterparts. Why is that a bad thing? To translate the world from the game exactly into a medium such as cinema would not have been possible. And have required an amount of CGI and hard to implement items, such as hitting boxes with your head, which could not have been integrated or developed at the time well into a movie. In my opinion, what the actual movie is much better is anything they could have done which is exactly was true to the Mario world. What? Like, it's, it's much more interesting because you can still see your favourite characters. No, none of these characters are my favourite <laughs> characters whatsoever. This was just absolutely insane. And also experience how they would be existing in the real world and dealing with real problems such as a lack of plumbing jobs, etc. <laughs> your impression of me is really good. <laughs> when I wrote that review... <laughs> I mean, we're halfway through it because now he goes in. Now, on to the actual plot. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Although it's, a, although it's a little sillier than some people would like in places, it's really interesting and fun film. The Mario and Luigi team of quote-unquote Bob Hoskins and quote-unquote John Leguizamo. No, that's not a name. That's their actual names. Punctuation so is phenomenal in this. Yeah, they've actually put them in quotation marks. <laughs> Uh, provide a very good base of the film as a whole both of them play their parts well and create a fun and believable brother team not brothers (laughs) again the best part of the film 
has to be the fact that you see all of your favorite characters brought to life. Again, no, because the best characters are actually the animatronic ones that barely say anything. And in a zany and fun way. Yoshi is a cute CGI slash puppet. Not CGI. Nah. It worries me that they actually think that that's CGI. Is basically like a loyal puppy. Mario and Luigi are a charismatic plumber duo. Peach is a gun-toting princess. Not gun-toting till the end of the not movie. Peach. And, not and, Peach. And, and, yeah. and not Peach. Uh, and Cooper is a sleazy businessman trying to subvert and acquire the Mushroom Kingdom. Subtext, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I saw this film as a child for many of my younger years and still enjoy it now. A must-see for any Mario fan and a must-see for you kids. Again, no, you need professional help. <laughs> it sounded like it was written by a child initially. It's like, I like Mario, it is good, it's basically. And then it's like, oh, I saw this as a kid. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> no. What, last Not week? Right. <laughs> Not right. Oh, Not okay. Oh, kid, help. But yes, those are the five-star reviews. Bob Hoskins. Shit. <laughs> Bob Hoskins. I'll go, that'll go down with quotes. seven bacon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did they think Bob Hoskins was 90% real as well? What? CG Makes creation no Bob Hoskins, yeah. <laughs> CG, yeah. CG actor Bob Hoskins. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see where this is going to go now, but in the, the but in the interest of consistency, I have to ask... Lee, would you recommend this film? I mean, you just read my review, so yeah. <laughs> no. Good God, no. I mean, it's a piece of history, right? And it's like, it's the kind of poster child for how not to respect or completely ignore the source material. Uh, so no, I do not recommend you see this film, unless you are after a, a terror bad, so bad it's kind of good movie. I would agree with that. I think like there are some moments again, like Toad's arc and the puppetry of Yoshi and mm. the set and practical effects. I think there's the artistry you can't, you have to admire. But... Agree, agree. Yeah, they did like like not necessarily. I think if you if you take the film, this is this is for Super Mario what the Last Jedi is for Star Wars. If you take a film individually of any source material, you will find something to get on board with be it design or puppetry or anything like that however if you're going into this as a mario brothers movie this is not for you hmm. ollie as a as an advocate for this movie and directly putting money into the studio's pocket by owning a piece of this celluloid tat i hope you're happy yes i hope you're proud of yourself but ultimately what do you think and would I mean, you recommend the whole grand, like four pound that I spent on it? I'm sure, <laughs> like lining the pockets of uh, Bob Hoskins, CGI actor Bob Hoskins. Um, I mean, sorry. does anyone else want to tell him about dear Bob, the late great Bob <laughs> Hoskins? Oh, I, yeah, okay, I, I do, yeah, I know about our dear Bob. Sadly, the the great BT advert actor, late great <laughs> BT. Yeah, he was. Forgot about that. It's good to talk. <laughs> um, That's how good that was. I still remember the tagline. But to be fair, the best, what did come out of this, though, is that he was really good and was seen as being able to play, like, straight comedy roles. Like, he went on to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Was that with, after this? Yeah. That was before Z this. Surely that was before this, yeah. 100% before this. Was it? Yeah. yeah. But he is really good. At, he is brilliant at these roles. And then he went on to to play Smee in Hook, which is mm -hmm. like a, another like defining role Was that for after him. this as well? I thought this was, yes. I thought this was before. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, this, yeah, this film like is, is a stone cold no, isn't it really? Let's face it. <laughs> I mean, 
out of context, perhaps you could be like, you could be forgiven to thinking that this is actually quite an interesting, like dystopian movie. And because it has such like great visuals, like the aesthetic, as we've said, the aesthetic of like the costumes, the design, because even those like crowd scenes where you see all the characters like in their like 80s New York punk rock kind of like get up like and all the prosthetics that go with them it all looks really good and it's really convincing as this like yeah this dystopian parallel universe but yeah once once you know that it's a super mario brothers film that's when it all goes to shit because you because it is because it's it's you're ruined by your preconceptions already unless you're prepared to switch all of that off and just let the film ride out as it is and take mm-hmm. it at face value as something that's a little bit of like frenzied fun that goes along at like a at a fair enough pace. It has its moments, but it doesn't drag drag. I don't think you you could really get bored from watching the film by mm. any stretch. You are certainly entertained. Be that in a good way. I mean, I was not. certainly keeping myself active by yelling at the TV for an hour straight. <laughs> what an image! Just an angry man. <laughs> Early abuse at his TV. Just an angry, drunk, middle-aged man yelling at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Damien, you've put this off long enough. Right. The only thing I can recommend for this film is for someone to track down the negative, wipe their ass with it, and then set fire to it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sound <laughs> argument. Sound <laughs> argument. A ringing can't, endorsement can't, there. Can't say fairer than that. I mean, uh, for me personally... I think it's yeah again you can you can take positives in the concept and the design and fair enough but ultimately the film falls short on so many levels when it comes to this uh, as a as an overall film and it's not just like it's not not good is that what you're going not, for there <laughs> it's not good not entertaining it's just Again, I am glad that we went through this, even if all of you probably hate the fucking ground that I walk on right now. Because again, I think we need to to be grateful for what we enjoy. We need to remember how bad it can actually get. <laughs> Maybe I will just add, though, perhaps if the script had been a bit tighter and they didn't have all like the deck... To, like, the problems with the directors in that the directors left before the end of filming and that they didn't keep going through like rewrites. Perhaps if there just was a little bit more consistency throughout the film, it could have been something not great, but it could have been something good, loosely based on the theme of Mario Brothers. And you do wonder why it never became the film it had potential to be, why they went down like certain roads of like design characters was it out of perhaps thinking that they could make a lot of money out of merchandise by having more realistic characters by jumping on the dinosaur bandwagon you know by having something a little bit grittier that older viewers would watch you do wonder what made them make the made these choices and what made it fall short it's just a shame, isn't it, really? I think that's what I'm getting at. It's a real shame. Well, there you have it, listeners. For the first time, I think, ever, and I'm almost proud of myself for this fact, I'm pretty sure we have a unanimous hatred 
<laughs> of a movie that exists. Not an indifference, like The Mask or Jim Carrey or anything like that. A legitimate hatred of something that should never have seen the light of day. I mean, hate's a strong word, but yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed. Yeah. This, this film annoys me, definitely. Well, hopefully I can ease things a little bit. I can make things a little better, hopefully. And I'm going to do that by teasing you with a little glimpse into what our next film is going to be. Luke, unfortunately, brother, hopefully you're listening and you'll have this little teaser as well. Better be bloody listening. Mm. <laughs> I'm out. He's like a fifth of my listenership. <laughs> <laughs> so after suffering through the waking nightmare of Super Mario Brothers, I have a, I have a couple of clues in regards to our next movie. We're going back in time a little bit. Released in 1991, this marked the directorial debut of Barry Sonnenfeld, who went on to bring us all three Men in Black movies, as well as a series of unfortunate events on Netflix, and most recently, Schmigadoon on Apple TV+. The soundtrack contains an award-winning song by rap icon MC Hammer, and... One of the lead roles was actually turned down by Anthony Hopkins so that he could go on to take on a little minor character called Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I think I know this one. <laughs> Gentlemen, all I can say is... Da-da-da-da. <laughs> Amazing. We will be watching the first Adam's oh. Family movie. And listeners, if you want to join us on this wild ride then uh, it is available to stream on netflix at present so it is accessible to anyone with that service and um just as a little glimpse then yeah i do recommend that you definitely watch it it's it, it, it's well worth checking out so gentlemen i really hope that we can um uh, redeem ourselves a little bit and actually enjoy another oh, film yeah. oh, for I a change excellent i can't wait i think that's about a good time for us to wrap up so first of all i want to say thank you to my colleagues for suffering through this with me gentlemen thank you very much for joining me today your time as always is appreciated thank you thank you, thank you. always a pleasure sometimes a chore like this film but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and listeners once again, thank you very much for coming on this little journey with us. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed moaning about it. And we invite you all to come and join us for the next episode. Until next time, end of line. Did it, did it, did it, did it.